This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. Welcome to the Grow Your Business and Grow Your Wealth podcast with Gary Helt. Gary is an expert in helping business owners put together a plan that will provide a better future for their businesses, themselves, and their families. On the podcast, Gary interviews other professionals who share his vision, and together they share secrets and strategies any business owner can use to build a better financial foundation for your business and your life. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. Today, our guest is Conrad Neufeld, and he's a mortgage broker and real estate investor. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. So, Conrad, tell, tell us, how, how did you get into uh, mortgage broker? How did I get in? Uh, so, I graduated. So, I'm only 34, but when I graduated from university, um, I wasn't a mortgage broker. I just took a salary position and it paid like super, super well. Like I was making six figures right out of university nice. and uh, which many of my graduating class were not. And, uh, and it was, it was super comfy. It was super whatever. Um, and in those three years that after I had graduated, I had received a little over 40 job offers and um, it was super flattering and I turned them all down, but I realized, man, I've got no upward growth. I've got no, like I am in my young twenties and I feel like I have hit the ceiling already. And that sounds really ungrateful, <laughs> right? <laughs> because like when you're making that kind of money, you should be like ecstatic. But I was like, man, I just like, this can't be hit, right? Like it was like a really hollow feeling. So then I happened to be buying a house and uh, the mortgage broker that I had was like, man, Conrad, like you, you graduated with your business, you know, a lot about finances. Cause like you've had a, like the dad that you had was like, like really, really um, religious about knowing your, your finances. Right. And so then, so then she's like, you'd make a good mortgage broker. And I was like, well, like what kind of money can you make? And she's like, oh man, you can make so much money. And so then, uh, so yeah, long story short, I became a mortgage broker and went from earning, you know, six figures to $18,000 that first year. Yeah. <laughs> so, my my wife almost killed me but you know we made it it was a good go. it was truly a good move in, the, in hindsight but yeah yeah first couple years a little rough right so so what is what is it about being a, a mortgage broker that kind of you know gets you excited gets conrad excited in the morning to get up and go to work problem solving and helping people like i like i remember to this day which is almost like 10 years ago that, you know, I was dealing with two, two files, right. And they just happened to be one of my largest mortgages that I had ever done. And one of my smallest mortgages that I've ever done happened in like basically the same week, right. It was the same week. One was on a Monday and one was on a Friday. So it was basically the same week. And, uh, and I remember that when the, the big one closed, right. You know, big commission check, I was like, yeah, I was pretty excited, but I was incredibly more excited about the fact that the smaller one had closed because it was a single mother and the husband had left her basically high and dry and she had no way of making things work. And she didn't know how money worked because he took care of everything. And like, just was like, she had nowhere to go, no one to turn to, no real parents that could help because they weren't educated in this sense either. And I remember when we qualified her and when, you know, she could take her son home, 
right? And that was the big part there where she could take them home and we had solved all of those problems. And there were many to solve. Right. I remember her crying. And this is back before we did things like a hundred percent digitally. She's sitting in front of me and she's crying. And I remember going like, this is why I'll do this. And I, I've never lost that feeling. Like, you know, every, every client you call is potentially another problem to solve. And that, that, I think that got renewed and resurrected through the pandemic when there was a lot of people in financial straits that needed all the help that they could get. And I don't know, that kind of rejuvenated me again. <laughs> right, right. Well, that's good. What, um, I guess, what, what are some of the mistakes that you're seeing people make, um, you know, before they come in and see you? Before they come in? Um, I would say, well, there's two, one is where are you getting your information from? Right. Um, and then the second would be, how are like, how are you validating what, like, what kind of heuristic, what kind of structure are you determining, trying to determine that that information is true? Because, you know, prior to this, you know, we talked about meme cultures, right. And how, and how there's, you know, this, this wisdom that exists on YouTube, which is ironic because I'm on YouTube, but you know, there's, there's YouTube, there's, there's, you know, Facebook reels, YouTube shorts, you know, TikTok, Instagram, all those things. And people are getting a lot of information from that. And what you'll find is there is some actually really good pieces of information out there, but they are truly the diamond and the rough. There's significantly more stupid things you could learn to do on those. So people, and so what's unfortunate is people will go, they'll get their information from this. But then the second part is that they won't necessarily validate it. They'll just think of it as true, right? And it's like, well, I heard this. So right. I think I think the biggest thing that you can do is, and even, and I tell people this all the time, I have no problem with trust, but verify. No right. problem at all. You right. can trust that what I am telling you is true, you know? Um, and I and I live by like the motto, you know, won't always be happy with what I have to say, but it'll always be the truth, right? And some, I'm brutally honest almost to a fault sometimes. But if if you can't, if you don't have that relationship with your mortgage broker or anybody really, any of the professionals you have in your financial sphere where, where you don't, you can't trust that what they're saying is necessarily true. I mean, you should be verifying even more, but even if you completely trust them, there's nothing wrong with verifying. Like I'll have people who go, Hey, Conrad, you told me that, you know, in my particular case, I should be getting a fixed mortgage instead of a variable. Right. Um, I read that a variable is good because of this reason and this reason and this reason. And we'll go, well, actually this point is true. And this point isn't, and this is why, and this is why it doesn't apply to you. And this one, that's a great conversation to have. They still right. trust, but there's nothing wrong with verifying. Right. So, and that's particularly true. If your main source of wisdom, isn't a professional that knows, first of all, the industry that you're in. So in this case, a mortgage broker, if you don't have a mortgage broker that truly knows what the hell they're talking about, and then B knows your, like your situation intimately enough to be able to apply that. Cause there's those two things you should be verifying out the wazoo. Yeah, I agree. I mean, cause lots of times when, when people are, you know, getting mortgages, it, it's for different reasons. Um, you know, oh, yeah. and, and each person needs things for, you know, different reasons. And because of that, if they're not communicating that, you know, to you or, or you're not asking them, it, it, you know, a lot of mistakes can be made there. And uh, exp exp like mistakes in my sphere um, are expensive. <laughs> like right. if you, you make a mistake on your mortgage, it's applied on a couple hundred thousand dollar loan or a $750,000 loan or whatever, right? Like it, mistakes can cost you quite a bit of money. Right. So when these new clients are coming in to, to talk to you and meet with you for the first time, 
Um, what are some of the questions that you wish that they were asking you that they don't? That So the clients themselves, right? Correct. Um, what should they be asking me that they don't? Well, some of them, some of them are, come pretty prepared, but I would say most of them. Hmm. That's a good question. Oh, what's I actually, this one, the, the it's round interest rates actually, because mm -hmm. a lot of people just think an interest rate is an interest rate and lowest is always better. Right. What they should be asking is why are there dozens and dozens of lenders and how can, what's the difference between them all when some of them have all the same rate. Right, because that's that's a big part there. So this is this is an analogy that I give to every single one of our clients that we take on across the country. It goes like this: Let's say you and I were shopping for a car loan, okay? And I gave you two choices: car A or not a car loan, but a car. So let's say you have a car for three thousand dollars and a car for five thousand dollars. And I said, what is the better deal? Well, naturally, given the information that we were just presented with, we would say, well, obviously, car A. It's three thousand dollars. That's a no-brainer. But we also know from our own car buying experience, we've never actually shot for a car that way. Why? Well, first of all, we have no idea the make and model, if it even fits our, our family's needs, car A versus car B. We have no idea the condition of the vehicles. For all we know, car A needs an $8,000 engine or a $2,000, like maybe it's missing doors. Like we have no idea, mm -hmm. right? We have no idea how expensive it is to insure. We have no idea of the gas mileage. Maybe it's going to cost us more in the long run. So there's all sorts of costs that might happen in the now and over time that make car A way more expensive, despite the fact that it came with the lower price tag. And mortgages are a lot like that. The number one thing that I try to drill in people's head because they're not asking that question is, is you know, what is the value of an interest rate? Well, the interest rate is nothing but the price of the mortgage. It doesn't actually tell you what you're trading behind the scenes. Yeah, it comes with money, but does it have an unnecessary collateral charge? Is there a bona, bona fide sales clause on it? How are the penalties calculated? Those are all big. Does it have things like portability and assumability? What are like, so there's all sorts of stuff that you might be trading behind the scenes, right? You know, we, uh, we saw as an example last year, right, where people who four or five years prior picked a slightly lower interest rate to save themselves $28 a month, only to be slapped with a $100,000 mortgage penalty last year, right? Like that's what, it, that's what their quote was, was $100,000 to break their mortgage. Well, you know, you don't have to be great at math to realize $28 a month takes a long time to get to $100,000, <laughs> right. Right. right? But that's because... In their head, they took the lower interest rate, so they did good. They got the they got the best product. Now, that's not to vilify the lowest interest rate and say that lowest interest rates are always bad. That doesn't work that way either, right? It just means that if you're going to pick the lowest interest rate, know intimately what is what are you actually signing? What is those contracts? What are the pros and what are the cons? Because oftentimes when you do step into lower, there are going to be um, trade-offs to get that lower interest rate. It's not just you're not just somehow magically better to this one, this one lender. That's not how it works, right? I mean, some, in some cases that is, but most times there's something else that's going on. There's some kind of trade-off that you're making. Now, sometimes that trade-off might not really even apply to you, in which case, great, take the lower interest rate. Like, so instance, this, this might be a, a nuance that exists only in Canada, not necessarily to the States, but it illustrates the point. Like a bona fide sales clause doesn't allow them to refinance their mortgage when they have less than 20% equity in their house, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that might also be true for FHA loans and all the other types of loans that you guys have there. But in, in, that, in Canada, that's particularly true if you have less than 20%. So to take the lower interest rate where the trade-off is you have a bona fide sales clause, which doesn't allow you to refinance anyway because you have less than 20%, means nothing. It's preventing you from doing a thing you can't do anyway. 
So cool, take the lower interest rate and rock away with it. But if the lowest interest rate comes with massive penalty, once again, it, it may still make sense to do it. Probably not, but, but you're, you should at least know. And then that way you can at least make the decision for yourself. Like we'll always tell people, look, I, I will explain it to you. I will make sure you know full well what it is that you're signing. But at the end of the day, it is your decision and it is your choice. You're the one that has to live with this mortgage for years, not me. So, so make sure you understand it. Right. When, so you're working with, with many different people. You know, like you said, you had uh, just, you know, earlier when we were talking, you said about, you know, hey, I had two contracts, uh, you know, closed within the same week and one <laughs> was really big, one was really low. Yeah. Um, I guess, when do you start working with people? When do you want people to start talking to you um, to, to kind of become their, their go-to professional? I, I like that question. And I honestly think this applies to all financial prof professionals accountants, literally everything. Um, the sooner, the better. But here's the, here, here's the key piece uh, of advice there. And there's two things there. One, when you're dealing with them, be upfront about your situation from the start. There is nothing wrong with you approaching someone and being like, look it, I don't have a ton of money. I'm not ready to buy a home for years yet. I don't, whatever. But what I want to do is be prepared. What can you tell me to help get you there? Right? So that's one. And then the, se the second thing is to actually listen and apply that advice, right? Because, you know, we've had people in, in our case where we were working with someone for three years before they bought a home, right? And they didn't just had nothing. They had less than nothing. They had declared bankruptcy. They had whatever. And they were like, look, we had declared bankruptcy in the past. And they, and they were upfront. They said, look at Conrad, we cannot buy a home. We know this but someday we want to, what can we do right now? And obviously their situation was a little bit more complex. So we said, look, you know, this is what you're going to have to do over the next year. Well, they did it. They, they called me the next year and they said, Hey, look, Conrad, we have done the, these things. Now I'm significantly invested in you because now I know not only it makes us feel good too. Cause it means like, wow, we're making a difference in this person's life. Like whether right. there's money or not, I, I mean, I still get a high off of that to this day. So it's great. They're, they're doing, they're doing what we told them to do. Here's what you do year two. Here's what you do year three. And every single year, Conrad, we did this and they would give me little updates and it's great. Now, am I spending a tremendous amount of time with them? No, of course not. Right. I have people who are buying in the day now that need my, my attention, that need like all of my, my effort, making sure that they get approved. But, you know, we can still spend a little bit of time here and there along the way. And if I know that you're listening to me, I'll be more than happy to help. Right. Right. And you want to find those professionals too. the professionals. And this is my experience. So I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus or anything like that, but this is my experience. If you're dealing with a professional that refuses to help you until you are absolutely ready, my experience is that's the same type of professional that's likely going to screw you over, <laughs> right? Because they're, they're, you're a transaction. There's no relationship. They're, you're entirely transactional. And if they can make a little bit more money off of you by doing some goofy shit behind the scenes, then goofy shit they'll do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I agree with you there in the fact that um, I think it's important to find um, a professional and all the different you know phases that we've talked about um that is going to be looking to develop a relationship with you and not be transactional and i think that that's one of the big things that that people don't understand when using a professional 
that it's a relationship, not a transaction. And I think that that's, that that's something that's important. Um, well, it should be. It should be a relationship. Correct. Yeah. Correct. There are there are people who will transactionalize it. Right. You know, so, you know, you've, you've given us a couple things with, with why somebody should use a professional by you. Is there something else out there that an, another reason why somebody should use a professional like you when it comes to, to, to um, getting mortgages? Well, like, I mean, mortgage brokers, and, and like I said, there's nuances between how Canada and the United States work. But even speaking generally, there are many reasons why that would be the case. There are, I mean, try learning the last, let's say, 10 or 20 years worth of mortgage history, which all, by the way, has a direct impact on you, right? right? To know why certain things are done, to know, but not only that, to have an indication of what might be done in the future right? How this, how this might impact you, how this might, you know, what your renewal might look like because you're committing to this thing over here now in today's world, right? Which all is, is very true. Um, you know, it, mortgages change daily, you know, like mortgages, like mortgage rules change frequently enough. Like, and we're not talking about like, oh, they're different from the eighties. Yeah, they are. They're also different since February and they're different since 2020 and they're different since 2018 and they're different from 2010. And like, there's, there's countless changes that are always coming in counselors revisions as the, the, like the mortgage market and non-mortgage market, the, the main market as a whole, all it, it's all responding to each other. Right. And there is no way that you can do enough research possibly to become an expert in, in this thing. Like the, you could do enough, like you could know enough to get in, but the things that are often going to like totally destroy you financially aren't the things you know. Very rarely people don't make a ton of or lose a ton of money because they made a mistake that they knew about. Oftentimes, like we're like, oh, I got that wrong, right? More people than not make a mistake because they didn't know something, not because they knew something wrong, incorrectly, right? So it's like, oh, I didn't know my penalties would be calculating that, like that. Or I knew that my penalties would be calculating like that, but I didn't know how much those, those, those micro adjustments in the variables could amount to such a massive difference, right? And there's no, how, how could you know that, right? right? Like there's mortgage brokers who do this part-time who have no idea what the hell they're doing. And they are in infinitely more experienced than you are. Yeah. I think, I mean, you know, I always try to try to tell people, you know, that it's important to use a professional who, who would, whatever it is, if it's a, you know, the CPA, if it's a mortgage broker, if it's an estate attorney, business attorney, whatever it is, it's important to use one that, that you feel comfortable with. But I think the bigger piece of it is that your other professionals will work with. So you have a team that's working together mm -hmm. for your common good. And I think that that's something that, that a lot of people don't look at. See, and so I think there's two things there, the, the trusting and the, like, like the trusting is one of them, but it's also a good way of vetting the professional that you're dealing with. Mm -hmm. So as an example, if, if, you know, you trust your mortgage broker or your accountant or whatever, um, and you're starting to build your team, because I do think cohesiveness is important, right? Like if your realtor and mortgage broker are on the same page or your realtor and your lawyer aren't on the same page or your accountant and your lawyer, like any, any one of those pieces is out of joint. Um, it could have some nasty financial consequences right. for you, right? Because one might be trying to do one strategy while the other one is doing something completely different and they may not mesh, right? Um, you, you need kind of all of it together. But if you're dealing with a professional and they're like, I only work with so-and-so, like you have to use my accountant or you have to use my realtor. You just got to do it. I would be 
cautious or leery about why that's the case, right? Now, all of a sudden you have to be asking yourself, okay, well, do you get a referral bonus? Do you get, what's the nature of that? Like we have, as an example, we have realtors that we work with. We get nothing from them. They'll call us and be like, thanks for the referral. What can we pay you? Not a damn thing. Right. I don't want a single one. I make more than enough money. I don't care. What I want you to do is when I send someone to you, I want to know without a shiver of doubt that you are going to take care of them, right? And that's all I care about. And then the flip side of that is if you're talking with, let's say your accountant and your lawyer and your real estate agent, and they go, wow, that mortgage broker is just an idiot. And they all, they're all in agreement. probably a good idea to switch, <laughs> you know, right? So there's, so it works both ways, right? Right. It, uh, you need, so having everybody together and, and I mean, I always use the, like the kumbaya, that's what I always tell people. I'm like, you're, you're all your professionals should be able to sit around a campfire, like each other enough to sing kumbaya and, you know, wake up the next day and hit the ground running. Right. Cause that's that kind of cohesiveness could, could actually save you a ton of money and open up opportunities that might not actually exist to you otherwise. Right. If you have the proper tax structure, if you have the proper, like if you're self-employed, if you have the proper accounting structure, if you have the proper, right. There's, there's ways that that can impact you. Right. Right. No, I, I totally agree. And I, I, I really believe that, that having the, the professionals work together, um, yes, it's going to cost you a little bit upfront, but it's going to save you so much more yeah, than later the on. Cost is negligible. Right. Like I've seen people do just penny pinching the stupidest <laughs> oh, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I pay my mortgage broker. Oh, I didn't pay my, my I didn't pay my, uh, my accountant, right? I did it myself. And then all of a sudden it's like, ah, oh, I made a boo-boo. I owe the IRS $5,000. Right. It's like, meanwhile, your accountant was three grand or less. Right. And it's like, you moron. <laughs> right. No, I see. I mean, I do. I, I see that. And then the other thing I see is, is where, um, people just talk about, uh, you know, how they screwed their, their professional team out of money. Well, I didn't pay them for that type thing. Oh yeah. But and I don't, it's just like, you know, to me, it's like, you know, okay, whatever you do, don't follow that guy because you know, if, if, if that's the stuff that they're doing, then again, well, that's on TikTok though. There's, there are TikToks out there where they'll be like, I, I can't even remember the specifics of them. It's like, this is how I got out of paying blah, blah, blah. And it's like, and this, like that to me is a tutorial, how you'll never get good advice from a qualified professional ever. Right, right. <laughs> you, exactly. want, you want subpar advice for the rest of your life, follow that guy. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, talking about, you know, TikTok and stuff. I mean, obviously you, you have a lot of social media that, that, that you do with um, uh, YouTube and so forth. Mm -hmm. What, I mean, tell us some about that. So I'm um, trying, right? So like up until now, I've been, you know, busy, as a mortgage, I'm still am an extraordinarily busy mortgage broker. But this this past year, I was like, I it was partly out of selfish need in our end, without having to repeat myself a million times. It's like we get this question all the time. I'm going to make a 10 minute video, and then when we get this question, not only can I like give you the answer you're looking for, but I can do it in like a rehearsed way that gives you way more information in a shorter amount of time, and then it saves me time. So that's where the initial need came out of it. And then I started realizing like man, there's so much bad education out there. Like we're just ugly advice. And when I say ugly, I mean, like, I can't tell if they're giving advice because in this particular advice, because they're trying to like go viral or if they're hoping that they'll get a client out of it, that they can just milk through and through or what it is. Or like, I can't tell if it's like a, just a genuine stupidity or a malicious stupidity. 
right? right. It's stupid, but I just can't tell what the intent is behind it. So I'm like, I got to outweigh that. <laughs> I got to, I'm like, I'm going to throw as much out there as I possibly can. So yeah, I've got a very humble, humble following. I, I'm still under a thousand subscribers, right? I'm, I'm working on it. I'm working right. on it. Right. But um, I've had some, some videos get some pretty substantial hits, which was nice. And, and I've, even though I have such a small following still, I'll have people that I don't know reaching out to me and being like, Hey, you know what, man, I followed your advice and I did this thing and this is how much it saved me. And like, like at one point I was like printing them and I would like post it on, on my wall for a week just so I could look at it and be like, this is why I do it. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like I never made anything, any money off the guy, but I know that that guy ended up being better from it. And it never took me any extra time. I just had to put what I know online. So hell I'll put more online. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's, and the fact that, you know, I'm getting money from some clients along the way, like where people are like, I'd like you to be my mortgage broker. Clearly, you know, your stuff. Great. Awesome. So like, there's an incentive for me to continue doing it even selfishly, but you I mean the main motivator, the main reason why we started it is, is way more powerful to me. Yeah. So, that's awesome. I mean, I'll be doing this in five years, you know, yeah. and hopefully by then I'll have a thousand subscribers. There you go. Um, I, 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 you know, for me, I know that, that I get a lot out of when, when I've helped somebody's business grow or I've helped, you know, an individual out of a bad situation and, and it's really helped them and it's impacted their life. And to me, that's, you know, that's, you know, like you said, I mean, you, you, it's not all about money. No, um, but and it, I think but let's it, say that's it was. a lot of it. Let's say, let's say it was, let's say your intention was to be completely selfish, right? Um, I, to this day, get more referrals from past clients than literally every source combined, every other source combined, yep. online ads, realtors, YouTube, like literally every online source combined doesn't even come close to past referrals, right? Which I think is a good testament to me, which I'm proud of, right? right? But I think even if you're like, you're like, that's what I'm, that's why I'm going to treat everyone like gold because they're a good referral source. Good. <laughs> Like, don't, don't screw them over. Be honest about things. Take like, like give them sincere coaching, whatever. If, even if you're completely dishonest about it, it has a great end. I'm like, great power to you. Now it's better in my opinion to actually be fueled by that so that you don't fall astray to some of these lender promotions will come out and be like, Hey, if you do this mortgage product, you'll get paid this extra amount of money. I've never once done that where I'm just like, you'll send me to Mexico. If I send you this many deals, I'm like, does your product suck? Then nope. You know, but you need to find once again it comes back down to trust or whatever but yeah like even if you're selfish it's it's a no-brainer treat people like you'd want to be treated and you'll do just fine yeah what yeah. a novel concept karma. hey karma yeah what a novel concept right exactly all right conrad we've covered a bunch of stuff um and you know what haven't i asked you that you wish i had you know the rape thing is really the number one thing it's like yeah. get get off rate stop being focused about rate instead start asking questions like what is like what is the best mortgage product for me and why right understand that because rate is only one of many 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 factors that might come to bite you in the butt in fact even asking that question that exact question what don't you or what should you ask to your mortgage broker or to your accountant or to your whatever start asking your financial advisors those questions too and they all have all sorts of tidbits for you right so yeah I think that would be the I main think, one. I, I think it's important. I mean, you're, you know, that's a, a great point about not just what the rate is, but it's just like, you know, and I, and I know that, that you've told me that in Canada, you guys have different terms mm -hmm. with, with mortgages and stuff. But, you know, if I'm only going to be here for five years, 
why do I need a 30 year mortgage? Right. Yeah. You know, so, you know, maybe, maybe that's when that variable mortgage is the right thing for you, because I'm only going to be here for a short period of time and I'm selling. So it's not going to make all sorts of things. You know, yeah. So, so I think that that is important to, to find, you know, to make sure your professionals asking you the right questions also. And making sure you provide them with enough information because not everyone is different. Like if you go to a mortgage broker and they say, I always do this, then terrible mortgage broker. Right. There's, unless they all have identical clients. <laughs> like, so That's you've done impossible. what? T 10 mortgages? Right. Like, like what? Like right. you got to There's, there's so many different types of mortgages out there. Like it's actually quite staggering for, for what people don't realize. Like there's all sorts of stuff. Right. And if you're not conscious uh, or what the differences are and how they apply specifically to you, like it's very rare that you'll end up with the same mortgage as your brother or your dad or your neighbor or your like your employees or your whatever, right? Like they're all different for a reason. So understand why it fits is a good one. Agree, agree. So if people like what they hear, they want to talk to you, they want to see your YouTube. Get, <laughs> Go get to YouTube, up. man, <laughs> and subscribe while you're there. <laughs> I'm just right. kidding. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. YouTube would be the way to do it. I usually put my uh, my contact information in a lot of the videos and stuff like that. They can literally just YouTube my name, and I'll pop up, and yeah, hopefully. Hopefully I can get to that a thousand subscribers sooner than later. That's a there you go. The grind. Right. <laughs> it's a challenge. <laughs> fun though. It's right. Fun. Right. Hey, I really appreciate you you being on today. Uh it was it was great talking to you. Yeah, I enjoyed this. Thanks a lot. Great. Today our guest was Conrad Newfelt, who's a mortgage broker and real estate investor. See you next week. This show has been produced by Market Domination LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.